It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the Monday morning quarterback edition, I guess we can call it. Justin Ferguson, right here in Auburn. Also in Auburn, Dan Peck of the Dan Peck Radio Network and the Peck Pack. What's up, Dan? Hello, Justin. Hello, Painter. Hello, Peck Pack. And Painter Sharpless, back in Auburn as well. So all three of us are recording from the same zip code, which I think that's a first for this this trio here. Since the uh, in this era, in this edition of the show, Painter, how are we? Good. Made the uh, trip around Alabama. Made a little triangle. Not really a, around Alabama. How about Central Alabama? You 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 cut through the you cut through the center of of Alabama. You just went straight line uh, there. You are going to be taking a tour though. I mean, you, yeah, you, you I, and got I went some to Birmingham. To I spent a little time in Beeham, so you know, there's there was some driving this weekend. We're feeling good. Feeling Pits good. Are a little bit stiff. But I mean, hey, the weather here has got to be got to be a little bit better. Very than, nice, very than, nice, the, folks. Than back in the frozen north, folks. We have got a lot to talk about today. Thank you for joining us. Since the last time we podcasted, Dan, podcasted Dan and I podcasted. That is, uh, Auburn uh, made a pretty big move in the transfer portal. We talked about Peyton Thorne. I said, you know, last week when his name first came up, that I thought that that's probably the one Auburn would prefer over Casey Thompson. Lo and behold, uh, on Friday uh, afternoon, Auburn gets a commitment from Peyton Thorne, the Michigan State transfer quarterback. And Auburn has their transfer quarterback they have been waiting on. Um, and uh, very interesting fit in a number of ways. I wrote some stuff about it uh, at the Observer on Friday afternoon, talked to, talked to a few people that knew Thorne and kind of his game. And put some stuff. Uh, by the time you're listening to this on Monday, there's also a newsletter out where I uh, talk about one particular aspect of Thorne's game that I think we'll get into in here on here, but just kind of in more detail where I think it's 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 a big reason why I think this could potentially be a great fit for Auburn. You know, obviously it's everything's with this offense is going to be a work in progress, and of course Auburn getting another uh, transfer um, commitment or you know, signing in Caleb Burton, who we'll also talk about here. Uh, but let's start with a quarterback because it is the most important position on the field. Uh, Dan and I uh, did an episode of the drive on Friday, um, right after Thorne's uh, commitment. So we've we've talked a decent bit about it, and we'll we'll talk more about it here. But Painter wanted to throw it to you first. We've talked. I mean, we've talked for months now about quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. Who's Auburn going to get? What's it going to look like? What was the what's the transfer going to be? What is what is your kind of initial gut reaction? Okay, hey. Auburn got a guy, and it's this dude, a dude who is in Peyton Thorne, who has started the last two seasons at Michigan State. I think it's clear that Hugh Freeze has come in, has been, you know, he has continued to to be competent. Uh, he has continued to do things that would lead you to believe that uh, the previous staff just simply was was not up to the task. Uh, I think it raises the team's floor. It probably doesn't change a lot about the the overall expectations of the team as we've talked about I still think this is a team hovering somewhere around six to eight wins depending on how a couple of close games break but the the main takeaway is that you have a staff that's capable of getting players on campus and then really I think finishing out that uh, recruiting trip something that you know it feels exciting there's like a there's a hint of optimism about the direction of Auburn football even if you know this isn't likely to create some major change in how the season goes yeah they didn't get caleb williams they didn't get they didn't even get a guy like cam newton in the portal but they did get somebody who i think raising the floor is a good sign because 
or is a good way to put it because the way Peyton Thorne has thrown the football the last couple of years is an upgrade from what Auburn has had through the air recently. If he can do that again here at Auburn, um, I, but again, like you know, how much better does Auburn get? That remains to be seen. But for what Hugh Freeze and what Philip Montgomery have usually done with their offenses in the past, getting a guy like Thorne, a guy who is an above sixty percent passer who's got a good deep ball, he's got some really good deep ball metrics, um, can do some things on the ground where he's not just a strictly pocket passing guy. Um, I think that fits really with, with what they were looking for and why they waited on it. Um, you know, is a guy like Grayson McCall, uh, you know, a bigger name that they could that they wanted to get earlier? Sure. And then the, the kid from NC State as well. But um, – you know, getting a dude who has started for two seasons at the Power Five level isn't necessarily easy to get a transfer like that. There's not a ton of those guys that go in the portal every year. And on top of that, he he has been a he has been a guy who has won some really big games and won a decent amount of games. And that Peach Bowl season in 2021 is a really good sign of what he's capable of when things are clicking around him. Dan, we uh we talked a lot about it on Friday, like you said, but we've had a couple of days to kind of sit on and think on it uh, more. What, what are what are your kind of general feelings on Auburn picking up Thorne before we kind of break this down a little further? It's so impressive what Hugh Freeze has been able to do since arriving. When you think about the state of the roster when the Iron Bowl ended this past season and the changes that have been made at the most important positions, you know, if you, if, if you built a shopping list or a wish list of what the new coach needed to address back in December, so much of it has been addressed in a way that I don't know if it would have been possible to make a roster over like this in the pre-transfer portal era of college football because, I mean, if you've been watching the sport for a while, usually coaches that step into a situation like the one Hugh Freeze stepped into this year, just based on the roster, it it used to take a couple of years to turn that thing around, and it was possible if the offensive line was significantly behind most of the rest of the conference, it was possible for things to get worse before they got better, right? And now, because of the way Hugh Freeze has been able to go add seemingly impact veteran talent at both tackle spots and at tight end slash wide receiver and he's I mean and, and on the defensive line and behind the defensive line at linebacker and edge rusher and now bringing in Peyton Thorne at quarterback you'd also mention uh, uh, uh Beatty who, who's gonna add, add to that as well Brian Batie uh who's somebody mm-hmm. who who's also would would add would be on that list of players that are coming in and could be part I don't want to overblow things but I mean, this team could be significantly better than last year's team, especially during the downturn in the second half, and better than most first-year coaches because they've they've so significantly changed things on the two deep. I, I think the the additions they've got there's still needs, and let's talk for the offense specifically. Offensive line, I feel like they could get one more guy, and they'd feel a little bit more solidified. Wide receiver, Caleb Burton, we'll talk about him, like adds on to it. But you've got a running game that 
last season, and this is something that I wrote for on Monday, think about last season, Auburn ran the ball pretty well with their backs. Even with the offensive line not being great uh, statistically, and also like the towards the end of the season, everybody on the planet knew Auburn was going to run the ball and run the ball a lot, and it still worked. Um, the big thing, and you can read more on the newsletter if you want kind of the, the full breakdown here, but the thing that stands out to m- most to me about Peyton Thorne, and I talked to um, a friend of mine who cover- has covered him before, and the first thing he said to me that really stuck out, he said, look, if you give him a really good running game, he is a great quarterback. He can be a he can be a great quarterback. He's at his best when um, he's got a really good running game next to him. Now, obviously, in 2021, he had Kenneth Walker III, who was the Doak Walker Award winner, All-American, should have been a Heisman finalist. He was amazing. And they were able to play off of that really, really well. I'm not saying Jarquez Hunter is Kenneth Walker. It's really hard to, to, to accomplish. But in 2022, people will look at the 2022 numbers for Peyton Thorne. They will hear Michigan State fans, other Big Ten fans say, oh, he's not that good of a quarterback, ah, blah, blah, blah. And I will point to the fact that without Kenneth Walker, the whole thing changed. And not just Kenneth Walker. Last season, Michigan State lost 130 starts, more than 130 starts from their offensive line. They only had five healthy offensive linemen in fall camp, and they just had to grind through a season – and they fell off a cliff in terms of their running production, and Thorne did not have that. If you go look at what Peyton Thorne's numbers are, and again, uh, check out the check out the newsletter on Monday for that. If you look at the the numbers when Michigan State ran the ball well, or things that were like play action or early downs and stuff like that, I mean, with a great ground game next to him, he was not only a really good quarterback. You could argue top ten, top fifteen quarterback in the country in twenty twenty one in those specific areas. That's a high ceiling, especially if you're going to come in with Auburn and say, hey, you know Auburn's going to be able to run the football, even when the roster wasn't where it needed to be and all the ups and downs. 150 yards per game was kind of the metric that we saw where Thorne was good, good good, good Thorne games and not so good Thorne games, relatively speaking. Auburn's averaged that every single season since 2012. So you should at least be able to expect that, also knowing what you got in Hunter in this offensive line. Well, look, a couple of points there. One – I think that when a team can't run the ball, that might indicate problems with the offensive line mm-hmm. in general. You know, there there are teams that can't run the ball, but they're excellent pass protection offensive lines. I'm not getting the sense that was Michigan State. No, in the in the year after Kenneth Walker left, I think there were larger offensive line problems. I would also think of a, a, a local example of a quarterback that really thrived when the run game was going. Compare Jarrett Stidham mm-hmm. in 17 yep. to Jarrett Stidham in 18, and I think one of the key differences is on Johnson and that offensive line in 2017. I mean, Jarrett Stidham was good enough to have Auburn on the doorstep of the college football playoff in right. 2017. A year later, you know, th- there, were, there were games where he struggled mightily, Mm-hmm. Some of that was on Stidham. Some of it was on what was going on around Jarrett Stidham. I wonder if there's any uh, comparison there with what Peyton Thorne experienced at Michigan State. And I'm not saying Auburn's going to run the ball like that Kenneth Walker Michigan State team did. What I am saying, though, is that Jarquez Hunter is a guy that has had back-to-back really strong seasons on a per-carry basis. The offensive line already looks like it is going to be better. I think the 8A game... If you could have learned anything from that 8-8 game, it was the fact that Auburn was creating some more holes on the offensive line, and things were looking better in that regard. 
you should be able to play off of that. And if you're Thorne, I can see, well, at Michigan State, offensive line doesn't seem to be a strength for them this year. Their running game, you know, there's nothing that says that running game is going to get back to that, you know, awesome level next year. Whereas I think you can look at a team like Auburn and say, hey, year one, new system, new team playing faster, a little bit more, open it up, fresh start. But also, okay, you're going to be playing next to a dude in Jarquez Hunter who averaged, you know, six and a half yards of carry last year. There's depth there with Damari Austin and Jeremiah Cobb. Brian Batte was one of the best big play running backs in college football last season at South Florida. Again, another dude who didn't do very, who did well behind um, a team that wasn't very good. And also deeply confusing if you're also tracking Mets third baseman Brett Beatty, B A T Y, <laughs> who has been playing a lot over the last couple of weeks. So again, one of those situations where there are very similar names going on at the same time. I think I, I think Brett ba- Beatty Batty uh, is not going to win in a foot race with Brian Batty. Brian, I think Brian's going to smoke him in that regard. But it's, it's Brett Beatty like Warren Beatty, mm-hmm. and then Auburn's running back is Brian Batty, right? Like it's yes. like Tony, like Tony Batty, I guess would be the the, the basketball player. Hey, I, I, look, here's the thing, I Brian Batty. I mean, I could see he could be a pretty good baseball player. I could see him being like a, a under undersized guy, like but like with some good power in his game, like an Ozzy Albies type of type of dude. I could see that. I could see that in him. Getting this back to Peyton Thorne, the uh, if Peyton Thorne is a quarterback who, when strengthened by an effective run game, can can play, you know, he can produce. I mean, it's it's fair to wonder if Auburn had that on the roster already, right? Because Robbie had games last season where the run game was going well, but the passing numbers left a lot to be desired. And we've talked about all the adversity that surrounded Robbie Ashford last season, and there are reason, there, there's reason to believe that he could make a big jump. But, you know, especially with the, with the kind of quarterbacks that are out there and the kind of jumps, we've, the kind of impacts we've seen quarterbacks make in their first year with teams, Hugh Freeze had to go out and, and bring in a veteran option to compete with Robbie and Holden to be the starter. And among the veteran options that have changed teams, you know, Peyton Thorne is, it, it's tough to put him at the top because Hartman had such a great career at Wake Forest. I would say he's, unless there's somebody I'm forgetting, he strikes me as the best quarterback yeah. who changed teams this offseason via the transfer portal. Uy Agalele had great moments in his college football career, the uh, the guy that UCLA got from Kent State has had a really nice career. We've talked about Jeff Sims in the portal as well, but I would say, you know, the, the Peyton De- Thorne's Devin one of the better one of yeah. Devin Le- Devin Leary's another option, uh, but Peyton Thorne's one of the better quarterbacks who has changed teams in this portal, especially if you focus on the eleven and one season w- when he was uh, among the better quarterbacks in the conference. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think that I think that speaks volumes to kind of the type of player Auburn's getting is that okay? Look at the transfer. There is no Caleb Williams in this class, uh, but you do have Sam Hartman. You have do you have Devin Leary. You've got some dudes with high upside like like DJ and some others. But somebody who has had two like one great season and one average season at quarterback. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good pull that you can have. Uh, there, and I'm not the first person to make this comparison, 
at all. And I think it's, it is ironic. Different type of player, different type of situations, different type of uh, uh, everything, I think. But there is a similarity I think we could strike between a guy like Peyton Thorne and what Bo Nix did. And what I mean by that is this. Multi-year starter, guy that had, uh, you know uh, was at a point in time where his current team had taken a step back and the staff was at least thinking about or considering changing things up, you know, doing different things on offense. He goes, hey, it's time to get a fresh start somewhere else. Graduated, I could be I could be eligible immediately. He goes to Oregon under, and here's the big similarity, under a first-year head coach. Because if you stay back at Michigan State, if you're Peyton Thorne, and it doesn't go well, it could really, really, you know, hurt your stock personally if you're trying to get to the pros. And also, it's just, it's a tougher situation to be in. Where at Auburn right now, you're still in the honeymoon phase. Everybody's happy. They're 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 undefeated at this point. This new staff's undefeated, and even though there are expectations at a place like Auburn, I think outside of the unrealistic Auburn fans, there's not very many of them. I think you can see what Auburn's got coming into 2023 and say, "Hey, it's year one. Let's just get back to a bowl game. Get get back to a winning record." And that is, if you're a quarterback who's trying to reset his career after a step backwards, that's a much better place you'd rather be in than trying to stick it out at a place like Michigan State, where he probably would have still won the starting job mm. if he'd have stayed there. Same way with Bo Nix. If Bo Nix would have stayed back at Auburn this past year, he would have been the starter more than likely. But the better decision for him and what he decided was to go somewhere else, and I think Auburn's going to get something kind of similar in the, that kind of situation this year. Again, Bo was one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC last year. Bo Nix is not uh, – I mean, uh, Peyton Thorne is not Bo Nix. Um you know, Jarquez Hunter is not Kenneth Walker the third, but the parallels are interesting. It's not a like for like thing, but I do see kind of the, the similarities of why this this could really work out. The mind wanders, and there's lots of parallels you can you can find in in this situation. And uh, Colin Schley, by the way, is the quarterback uh, who was the Kent State mm. transfer, who's at UCLA now, probably going to be the starter uh, for, uh, for for Chip Kelly, depending on what happens in that battle. I was intrigued by his entry into the portal because I thought that's somebody who can make an impact in in Power Five football as well. No, the the quarterbacks that you could find. I mean, we've already we've already name dropped uh, Stidham and Bo Nix. Uh, so far, but you think about a, a quarterback uh, who you've you've mentioned the status that uh, Peyton Thorne had as far as you know he was probably going to be the starter at Michigan State. I, I know I've made this point on the drive. I don't know if I said this on an earlier episode of this show, but he might have had he stayed at Michigan State, it might have been thin ice. And if that season hadn't started effectively, he could have been scapegoated. He could have been replaced by a younger option. He could have been sort of swept up in the reform that would have needed to happen at Michigan State for that coaching staff to stay on the good side of the fans and the administration. So there there were reasons for Peyton Thorne to leave. You think about a situation that reminds me of is if you're old enough to remember 2004 here at Auburn, when Jason Campbell started that season... I mean, he, he was the starter, but there was a pro-Brandon Cobb, oh, yeah. you know, faction. Campbell, Campbell got booed in a, yes. in, a, in a couple games, right? Yes, Jason Campbell had, was, was on thin. I mean, we've talked to Al Borges about this on the drive, and 
Uh, Jason Campbell, I mean, Al, Al Borges was, you know, he, he was backing Campbell the whole time and, and thought that it was kind of crazy uh, what, you know, what the what he would hear when he would go out and about and talk to people about the team. But uh, yeah, J- Jason Campbell had, you know, he, he was somebody that people thought needed to have a strong start to the season uh, to to stay the starter all season long and hold off the young up-and-coming Brandon Cobb and lo and behold Auburn that year behind a strong running game and a new-look offense. A senior quarterback has sort of a resurgent year. You know, you want to draw comparisons to what Peyton Thorne could be at Auburn. I know we want to hold our horses here, but, sure. you know, if, a, a strong season for Peyton Thorne with everything going on at Auburn would have echoes of Jason Campbell having this great season after battling adversity the first couple of years of his college football career. Here's why Peyton Thorne getting back closer to what he was in 2021 at Auburn is important and why it could be huge. Here's the stat uh, that, that, that I that I realized this weekend. All right. Auburn. <laughs> All right. Thorne. Sorry. Thorne had 27 passing touchdowns in 2021 uh, at Michigan State. Um, that was a that was a new school record for for them. Okay, he also threw for 3,232 yards. Painter, where would 27 passing touchdowns rank all time at Auburn in a single season? If you had to guess, second. Second, correct. Cam Newton is number one at 30. Chris Todd's number two, and that's all the way down at 22. Okay? Thorne's 3,232 passing yards in a single season. What would that rank at Auburn history? Second? You're correct. Also second, only behind Damian Craig in 1997. So, again, you're not getting a guy that is a Heisman contender. You're not getting a guy that was an All-American but you're getting a guy that if he gets closer to that, you're talking about, and again, that's the thing at, at Auburn, you're talking about getting numbers that we haven't seen. Well, when Jarrett Stidham came in for, you know, when he was on, he was on, and there were some there were some downtimes during his two years at Auburn. But even still, Jarrett Stidham walked away from Auburn in only two years of being one of the most effective passers in school history. That's part of the reason why, I mean, Auburn's been run first defense team historically. But I ought to show you what they want to kind of move up. And and now you're going to be in an offense, if you're Peyton Thorne, if he's the starting quarterback, and we'll talk about that shortly, where it's faster paced and it's, you know, spread it out, open it up. There's just that potential there where, I mean, Auburn has been desperate for the last several years to have an offense that is more in line with what the best of the best in the country are running. And a guy like Peyton Thorne, Peyton Thorne, his numbers could put you closer to that than you've had in the last few years. It's not a guarantee or anything, but I'm just saying, that first year at Michigan State, you pluck those numbers in at Auburn, you're talking about one of the best seasons for an Auburn quarterback ever, and I think that speaks volumes into the situation that Auburn's in right now. I really hope none of the listeners are playing the uh, take a shot every time we name an Auburn quarterback from the past game uh, on this episode of the show because we've uh, we, we're double digits I think now. But the uh, uh, the Peyton Thorn, I I think there are similarities between Peyton Thorn's career at Michigan State just statistically and the number of because it's twenty five starts I think over three seasons. Yes. How many starts did Jarrett Stidham make? In an Auburn uniform, right, right around it's it's Should in the same ballpark, 27? maybe twenty-seven, twenty-seven or so. I think it's twenty-seven. I mean, are their numbers that far apart in how effective those two are? It's it's almost 
I'll let you talk me out of this, sure. Justin. Is it like getting if Stidham had moved on from Auburn and played another year of college football somewhere else? It's almost like getting Jarrett Stidham at that phase of his career. So Jarrett Stidham's two seasons at Auburn, he had 5,900 yards, 63% completion percentage, 36 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Peyton Thorne, in his two seasons at Michigan State, had 6,400 passing yards, so more than, than Stidham. Or actually, you know what? It's That's with the 582 that he had as a freshman. So, yeah, very close in yardage. He had 46 touchdowns to Stidham's 36 passing touchdowns, uh, but he had more interceptions. Stidham had 11 interceptions, and Thorne had 21. Uh, completion percentage-wise, more accurate, less interceptions Stidham was. Similar yardage, more touchdowns in, in, in the case of, of, of Thorne. So, it's, it's not, like you said, Dan, it's not, it's not far off. I think the yardage is a pretty big one there. And, and, you know, the completion percentage, just a couple of percentage points when it's all said and done, is not a ton of difference. And I think if Jarrett Stidham had stayed one more year at Auburn and had been the quarterback at the start of the 2019 season. Oh, man. With, with, with Bo Nix. Well, that, that defense, defense sure. Yeah. But also with Bo Nix on the bench, uh-huh. you wonder if a slow start for Stidham would have put him in the situation that we we're talking about with Peyton Thorne, where coaching staff under pressure – you know, that, that upperclassman quarterback's got to play or the young, very highly touted freshman needs to find his way on the field. Yeah, and you'd have Seth Williams, you know, getting the ball more, Schwartz. Yeah, that, that would have been, been a really interesting thought experiment there. But uh, Peyton Thorne, it, it's interesting because Peyton Thorne's going to come in and I, re- I wrote about it recently. We've talked about it before. The history of Hugh Freeze in these quarterback battles is if there's a transfer, he's probably going with the transfer. We have seen that twice now at Ole Miss. His first year, they get Dr. Bo Wallace from the JUCO ranks, you know, and the rest is history there. And then the next time he has to replace a, when he has to replace a starter there, he has a couple guys uh, in uh, Devontae T- Kincaid and uh, the other one was uh, Buchanan. What was his last his first name? Um, Ryan Buchanan. And so in 2015. They get Chad Kelly, who had transferred from the JUCO ranks, started his career at Clemson. It's Chad Kelly's turn. Kelly starts in the next two years at Liberty when they open it up, and Malik Willis. It's Malik and Malik Willis is eligible pre-portal, you know, instantly eligible era. Malik Willis becomes the guy. So historically, we would say, hey, the fact, the sheer fact that Auburn went out and got a transfer portal quarterback after going through spring with. Robbie Ashford and Holden Garner. They got Hank Brown coming in. Points pretty favorably in the direction of Peyton Thorne. But there's two things to keep in mind. Number one, neither neither Robbie Ashford or Holden Garner, I would expect either of them are going to go down without a fight. I think those guys are going to stick around. Now, I'm not sure what the graduation status is for a guy like uh, Robbie Ashford. Not like how close or how, you know, anything like that. But he has used his waiver thing with Holden Garrett, you have to graduate now to transfer at this point. So you might be, I mean, as it stands right now, Auburn, I think, is going to expect to have four quarterbacks with them in the fall. Secondly, um, Peyton Thorne's going to have to do a lot of, a lot of learning pretty quick. Um, this, is, this is a new offense. This is not a. This is not an offense that's, I mean, there's going to be similarities, obviously, but it's not the same offense that he ran at Michigan State. Um, he's going to have to build up that chemistry and those connections with these wide receivers. 
with his with his teammates and all that. I think a really good sign though for for Thorne, uh, and why you know a, a lot of people um, at Michigan State seem to love him. He was a two time team captain at, at Michigan State, and, and that leadership I know you've heard uh, Freeze talk a ton about how he wants his quarterbacks to be leaders and be you know make the right decisions and all that and and be the you know kind of the face of the program, the face of the offense, be the leader. Thorne seems to kind of have that going for him as well, but they're going to battle it. And I would expect Hugh Freeze on the record and how it will go until fall camp will be, hey, we're going to have a battle. We lost a quarterback. We wanted to add some, we wanted to add more competition. We wanted to add more experience. We got it in Peyton Thorne. Made the best man win in the fall. Now, we can all sit here and think that the, the best man or the more likely the best man by the end of the battle is going to be Peyton Thorne, but strange things have happened, and – um, you do have the situation where this is a transfer quarterback who's not going to go through spring ball. Instead, he's going to have to do a lot in the summer and get ready in, in fall camp. So it's going to be different than, you know, if you had gone out and gotten a guy in December, which they tried, I, but they didn't get one until now. I think it's fair to make Peyton Thorne the favorite to yes. be Auburn's starter. Maybe the competition goes into the into the season, or maybe Peyton Thorne establishes himself as the guy early enough that he's Auburn's quarterback from the moment they take the field in 2023. If that's the case, and it is an if because there are other quarterbacks in this competition, if Peyton Thorne ultimately wins the job, the backup battle is interesting because Holden and Robbie are different types of quarterbacks. Uh, Robbie has, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, more more effective with his legs than what we've seen from Holden so far. Robbie's played more than Holden, but they seem to have uh, been in a pretty fierce competition thus far under Hugh Freeze. And I wonder what what the depth chart would ultimately look like if Peyton Thorne's at the top of it. Yeah, no, that's a great thing and a great question. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here because again, don't want to rule out the fact that Robbie Ashford would be the guy. Also, recently. Freeze talked about, hey, we might play multiple quarterbacks early in the year to figure out which one's got. And I think the schedule lends itself fairly well for that. You open the year of the paycheck game, then you go to Cal. Now, I mean, again, you're going to have to play a good game of football to win on the road against a Power 5 team, even if it's Cal. Because, yes, Auburn, your roster is not at peak performance, and you've had back-to-back losing seasons. Don't think you can, you can overlook anybody. But – the schedule does set itself up well to do some testing, to do some kind of experimentation before the season starts. The other thing is that Robbie Ashford was a top five running quarterback in college football last season. And we've said this now with Demetrius Davis, and we said it with Malik Willis, and we've said it with others. But I think Robbie Ashford, like of any of those guys, has real potential to be like, hey, if we can come up with packages and situations to get you the ball on our end, I'm not saying move the dude to slot receiver. I'm not saying you have to, but find ways to get him the ball in his hands, even if he's not the starting quarterback. He's got that because late last season in the month of November, playing through injuries, playing in a very tough situation, and with everyone on the planet knowing that they were going to run the ball as much as possible, Robbie Asher still had a couple of really, really good games on the ground. And let, I mean, so there's value there. there he is a weapon, and he's going to keep fighting, and he wants to be the starting quarterback, obviously. But in a scenario where he's not a starting quarterback, he is one of the very few guys that if you're not the starting quarterback, you can still find your way on the football field because that's what his skill set brings. 
the spectrum of possibilities for Robbie from keeping hold of the starting job to being the backup and learning uh, under under this offense with Peyton Thorne playing most of the season and then reevaluating his options after the season is over to being buried on the quarterback depth chart but still having some sort of role as a gadget uh, a gadget play uh, trick play type of quarterback or even I guess since we're exploring all those different possibilities you, you said you're not talking about moving him to slot receiver I'm not saying He's, you have to Right. I mean, he, he is somebody who, if Robbie Ashford said he was up for a position change, I would be intrigued about what he wants to do because the athleticism is there. Keep in mind, he could still be a starting quarterback at Auburn or somewhere else. Sure. But, I mean, we've seen – I mean, I, I, I was here for Cody Burns. I remember Cody, you know, giving the quarterback thing a shot and then deciding – uh, ultimately, he was best served to play wide receiver for a, a couple of years. And now he's a wide receiver's coach in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's something and on top of winning a national championship as a wide receiver uh, here at Auburn. So yep. it's, I mean, I, I think that what the the possibilities for Robbie Ashford, like there's there's a long list of, of ways this thing could turn out. And yeah, I think it's, uh, it remains to be seen what, what happens to him. He could be the starter. Uh, and if, if he's not the starter, then you start to get into the what ifs. As we said earlier, Peyton Thorne is not the only transfer Auburn got this weekend. On the offensive side of the ball, in the passing game, Caleb Burton, another one that Auburn gets. And Caleb Burton is a fascinating pickup for the Tigers in a number of areas. But a wide receiver from Lake Travis, uh, the great high school uh, in, in Texas, this dude was top 150 in the country coming out of high school in the 24-7 sports composite. Uh 247's own rankings had him as a top 10 wide receiver in the country, top 75 overall prospect, um, listed at 5'11", 175 right now. He committed to Michigan, or sorry, he signed with Ohio State. He committed a long time ago. 2020 is when he committed. He didn't sign until 2022. He redshirted because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Ohio State's wide receiver room is pretty, pretty dang crowded. Um but another thing about that is, is if Ohio State think you're, thinks you're worth a scholarship and a lot of attention at wide receiver, and they were willing to take his commitment over a year in advance, that ought to tell you something about the dude's talent level. I'm just, 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 just saying. Um, Burton redshirted last season. I believe he got injured at the beginning of spring ball at Ohio State. Decides to hop in the portal, try to get a fresh start uh, because the competition for playing time. Still very, very strong uh, at, at Ohio State, especially when you have a dude like you know Marvin Harrison Jr. still there and, and other great uh, options. Caleb Burton comes in, and boom, he is automatically one of Auburn's most talented, on paper, receivers they've got. And watching him, again, you got to watch high school film with him because he didn't play last year. There's been talk about like what Jamison Williams, what, another guy went from Ohio State to, to out to the state of Alabama, He's very much that kind of get one play, you know, can make make one cut, boom, catch it and go. He is that type of receiver, big playability, um, you know, is is what he's got, and he's got a lot of speed, great route runner. I think that's kind of his, his big his big thing. We've seen what Javarius Johnson can do. We've seen Auburn's got some other kind of smaller guys uh, at the wide receiver room. 
But Burton's a dude I think who's going to right away get involved. We know this offense wants to play six, seven, eight receivers. He plugs in there. And um, if he can live up to what his potential was coming out of high school and what, you know, being an Ohio State receiving prospect means, um, Auburn Auburn got a really good one here. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly it takes for him to be, be an impact player. Two pieces of news about Caleb Burton in the last few months that uh, that I was able to find, uh, you know, since since he got on the radar as a target for Auburn. C.J. Stroud name checked him during bowl practice before the Georgia game as a receiver that had really gotten better over the course of the season yeah. and someone they needed to watch out for. But then uh, on the first day of spring practice, there were reports that Caleb Burton went down with an injury and there was another receiver on the team who was quoted saying he heard something pop. So I'm not, I'm a little curious about Caleb Burton's status going into this upcoming season. I haven't heard too much about uh, a potential injury uh, that he suffered in the last few weeks and whether or not that's going to limit him. It's hard enough to be a receiver jumping into the fray in June uh, to try to get on the field. Uh, but if he's if he's not 100%, I think it could be a longer-term uh, sort of thing with Caleb Burton, and, and maybe it's not a situation where you immediately slide him into the two-deep as somebody who could get on the field this fall. Uh, Burton telling uh, our buddy Christian Clemente at 247 after his visit, uh, he says, I know something I've been harping on is the need for more wide receivers on the team, and I think that that's a great opportunity. They really pushed hard and hard that they wanted him to come in and play immediately. He's not the only one. We've talked about uh, Montana Lamonius Craig, uh, who has been on a visit to Auburn, and then another one uh, that uh, was made a visit this weekend, according to uh, according to uh, our buddy Christian, who, who we just shot out here, uh, was a, uh, a big-time North Texas uh, wide receiver transfer, grad transfer, uh, Jair Shorter uh, was supposed to be in this weekend. Uh, six six two two fifteen, uh, wide receiver who averaged um, over twenty yards a catch last year, uh, and was um, yeah twenty seven yards a catch last season, six hundred twenty eight yards and eleven touchdowns. Uh, he was uh, honorable mention All Conference USA and a comeback player of the year after overcoming an injury. So that's another one that would make a lot of sense but when we talk about getting thorn and we talk about getting this passing game it's going to be a work in progress it's going to take reps it's going to take you know a lot of time i think patience is going to be necessary but this team just needs more dudes uh at wide receiver especially when you lose landon king and chick dawson in the portal and guys that you know not necessarily were household names at this point weren't guys that had had a ton of production um to their names in their college career but they had a lot of potential and a lot of people really high on them so you have to go out and replace those types of types of players apologies if you already mentioned this justin but ewers and uh caleb burton both committed to ohio state i think within the same week okay, yeah. of each other back in high school both big time texas recruits i believe at the time uh th- now there are like very different op- there were very different opinions about burton as a high school player, right? I think one of the services was a lot more bullish on him than yeah, the others. Two four seven was, but, yeah. But even in, but even in the composite rankings, you know, Burton's still a really big time player. And I would also point out, uh, Jamison Williams was somebody mm-hmm. who didn't didn't get on the field. Currently suspended, NFL wide receiver Jamison Williams. Guys, don't, somebody, guys, don't gamble if it's against your against the the law at your job. You know, we could we could we could get back into that a little bit more in the college baseball segment ah. coming up but but the but but the uh, Jameson Williams is uh is somebody who 
really did not make uh, much of an impact at all at Ohio State in two seasons. I think he had under 20 catches in two years trying to get on the field there and a change of scenery and an opportunity to get on the field and be featured turned Jamison Williams into one of the best receivers, allowed him to, you know, gave him the opportunity to go be one of the best receivers in college football during his season at Alabama before going into the NFL. And I'm not, again, not saying that's what Auburn should expect from Caleb Burton, but there, there, is, a, there is a history of guys making that kind of jump and immediately uh, registering at their new school. Painter, I, I have to think you're excited about a guy who's shorter than six feet uh, uh, coming to Auburn um, and, and, and potentially playing playing wide receiver at a high level. Hopefully stealing everyone's hearts, yes. We need more attention on the little guys here. Everyone's focused on the big guys, especially around the draft. We're focused on the little guys here. And a big guy like Dan, you know, he's been talking about just nonstop. He's been a Rivaldo Fairweather guy as, as a transfer. I feel like Cape, Caleb Burton could end up being your dude uh, when it comes to the transfers in this class. Or Brian Batiste. Brian, 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 Brian Batiste, too. Yeah, I'm, I, mean, I am that, that, stretching the uh, the limits of what is little. I don't know if 5'11 really classifies as... Not to most of the population, probably Right, not. right. So, Auburn getting Peyton Thorne. They're get, uh, getting Caleb Burton. I, I would think, just reading the tea leaves here, I would think Auburn would love to get another um, scholarship receiver to get him to 10 uh, for the upcoming season. Offensive line is another area to look at. Um, obviously, edge rusher, defensive line, box linebacker. They got some spots. People have been asking, hey, what are they like in the scholarship situation? This is not an official count. I want to be very clear. This is not an official count. Um, this is just me, um, you know, having fun with charts and counting. Um, but it looks like they got 81 scholarship guys right now, and some of the, some of that may be iffy. It might be off by one or two, um, depending on which direction they want to go. But – they got they got spots to play with. They are not up against that eighty five uh, man hard cap at this point, and things can you know obviously change between now and the fall. So there's room, and they've got uh, they've got pieces uh, to uh, to add on. And uh, so, yeah, I think Auburn fans are getting excited excited uh, about the direction that the the program is going. Um, I I still think Painter, like you were saying earlier, this season. You're still probably looking at like, hey, just getting a winning season is going to be success and is going to be a pro- is going to be progress. Um, but you know, it's part of the reason you hire Hugh Freeze, like part of Auburn's reasons and their and their thought process behind it. The 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 people who make the decisions at Auburn, part of their thought process was, hey, he's going to be able to come in and recruit right away. Just look at his track record; it's what he's been able to do, and. The transfer portal is a very good, um, you know, a very good sign of that. Because as we talked about recently, Dan, it's like the guys they've lost in the transfer portal, maybe some guys who could have been in the two deep, but not any kind of star players or starters. And you look at what they've brought in in the portal, there are several guys on this team, like, like more than a handful of these guys are going to start, if not play, you know, at least meaningful roles. And that is what you have to do, especially when you're inheriting a roster that just did not – it's not up to par, especially with what the SEC is now and what your what your rivals are doing as, as the, the powerhouses of the sport. Yeah, not to, not to poke at the previous regime at all, but on the show – and, Justin, you remember these conversations on the drive – 
I wasn't concerned about the rumors and the innuendo as much as I would look and see who was leaving in the transfer portal versus who was coming in in the transfer portal. And I thought that was a very troubling, you know, that, that continued to be a troubling development for the team up until, uh, up, up until the, the end of, of, of that era. This seems to be, I think, much more promising if you look at what Auburn has lost in the transfer portal and what they were counting on from those players seemingly versus what they've been able to go get in the transfer portal and who was after the players that Auburn has gone after in the transfer portal. And I think that's something that if you're – we'll see how much of it Hugh Freeze can sustain Mm -hmm. over the course of his time as Auburn's coach, but – He's hit the ground running as someone who needed to replenish this roster via the transfer portal and has done exactly that. Well, moving on here to the basketball portion of the program before we go, uh, but we got to take care of some business here first. If you like the show and you want more of it, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer for $6 a month or $60 a year. You get access to everything we've got going on on the site. All of our newsletters, all of our podcasts, the football and basketball roster tracker. Everything new gets emailed to your inbox. Everything already up on the site is yours to read and listen to uh, with a subscription. It's the easiest way to get, to, to get our stuff. We put it right in your email inbox uh, pretty much every weekday morning around 6 a.m. Central Time. If you're a subscriber today, or if you're a subscriber at all, uh, today you would have gotten not only this podcast in your email, but also the newsletter that I mentioned earlier on Peyton Thorne and kind of the fit there with him um, and, and one specific area where I think uh, he makes a ton of sense for what Auburn wants in the quarterback room. So, auburnobserver.com, sign up there, and not only do you get all the newsletters, but like I said, you get m- multiple of this podcast. You get twice as much of this podcast. You get two of them a week uh, as opposed to just the one free show, and you get also any of our bonus podcasts that we do uh, friend, friends of the program or any other ones that we may have here upcoming. Dan, it looks like you wanted to say something. I was going to say, including the rumored spinoff uh, coming up, peaking with the Peck Pack, <laughs> which is, I know people have been talking about. The, the, the trade publications are all abuzz about that one for, for sure. Um, you can also help, help us out uh, with absolutely no money involved by doing one other thing. What is that, Painter? Rate, review, subscribe, leave us five stars, write a line or two about the show, mash that follow, subscribe button. We do appreciate it. Apple Podcasts, easiest way to help us out. Just give us some love, and uh, in return, we will shout you out and, uh, you know, stroke our own egos because that's that's how we are. Uh, Also, want to let everyone know uh, about the fine folks over at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com, the number one place to get Collegiate vintage apparel on the softest t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. They got quarter zips now. They got uh, long sleeve t-shirts. They got ringer t-shirts. They've got joggers. They got hats now too. Homefield Apparel has got the best in the business. Recently, a few weeks ago, there was a new Auburn refresh. Big time uh, positive reviews I've seen of a lot of the stuff going on there uh, that that went up at Homefield Apparel. You can also get the official Auburn Observer t-shirt. Uh, Auburn, uh, just search Auburn Observer at homefieldapparel.com and get the Navy Heather T-shirt uh, that is very, very comfortable. And our logo is not is you know tastefully done, not obnoxious uh, in that in the in the chest print. And uh, if you if you've never ordered at Homefield before, it's fifteen percent off with your first order 
uh, with the promo code Observer at checkout. I'm currently wearing home field right now. I'm wearing a wearing a home field basketball shirt at the moment. Dan, does home field sell the uh, UConn logo with the with with the with the sad looking dog? Absolutely, you can get. You oh, that's the the best. The, the buy buy something of that, folks. Buy the sad husky. Buy buy the sad husky to homefieldapparel.com. All right, uh, basketball. Speaking of uh, the defending national champions and Auburn basketball in general. Uh, some tough news uh, for Auburn. Uh, not surprising, but tough. Uh, you know, tough news nonetheless on the basketball uh, side of things. With Matthew Cleveland announcing on Sunday he is going to Miami. Um, here's the thing: uh, Miami has a lot of NIL money, as we know, and additionally, uh, Miami um, just went to the Final Four and has a really good coach in uh, Jim Laranega. Um, so it's a tough loss because Auburn really wanted, uh, you know, Matthew Cleveland, a guy that they had recruited hard, hard, highly out of high school, pushed hard for him. I think he would have been a great upgrade for him on the wing, um, you know, potential replacement for, for Alan Flanagan if he is indeed gone. Great rebounder, you know, multi-level scorer, athletic, former five-star, got a good profile to, to his name, played a couple of years of high-level basketball. Lo and behold, though, he is now going to Miami, and so Auburn is going to have to pivot from here um but yeah i think at the end of the day it's tough to lose a big recruiting battle like this and fans are going to be disappointed for sure i think a couple things one i think auburn will be easier to take this knowing that it's not missouri a team that you have to play in the sec and number two miami's got it going on right now especially especially in the basketball ranks so you can't necessarily you know uh think that this is just a major like you know, loss that you shouldn't have had. I think by any means, the the portal's a portal's a tough game for sure. With Matthew Cleveland, there were several different. I mean, when you looked at the three teams that made his final three, you imagined what he could do in all of those lineups. It's a it would have been a really big fish for Missouri. Would have been a big get for Auburn, and it ends up being really important addition for Miami. They bring back Norchad O'Meara and Nigel Pack most likely from this year's Final Four team. You add Matthew Cleveland to that, and it's a really impressive front court in the ACC this year. Yeah, now where does Auburn go? Because it seems like they still have an opening at the three with, uh, with Alan Flanagan's expected departure. You have players on the team that could, in an emergency, give you minutes on the wing. Sure. Uh, but, but one would think that Auburn's priority now is landing somebody that slots into the starting lineup. At the three. Haven't heard a lot in any direction on Jalen Tyson recently, so I, I wonder what that, that is going to end up looking like. Tyron Lawrence uh, was obviously a guy that, that people um, have kept an eye on. Lawrence is six four, more of a guard, but you wonder if Auburn kind of plays a smaller lineup. Maybe he could kick into the three at some point. Last season, uh, he had about four and a half rebounds a game, um, and his uh, rebounding rate I think was pretty solid on the defensive side yeah he's been 14 percent rebounder on the defensive end uh, for most of his career so it's a guy that in Tyron Lawrence we've talked about 13 points a game he was he was you know Van- Vanderbilt's one of Vanderbilt's go-to guys last season uh, for them led the team or was second on the team in scoring behind Leon Robbins um, and on a really really good offense that ran a lot of things really well Vandy uh you know, eleven winning record in the SEC, fourth in the SEC when it was all said and done. Pretty good record with Jerry Stackhouse. Lawrence makes a lot of sense. Now, here's the thing with Tyron Lawrence: you have to keep in mind 
he is currently uh, going through the uh, pro process, uh, like a lot of these other uh, guys are at this point. Uh, Jani Broom uh, getting invited to the G League uh, select camp, um, the combine. Uh, G-, G League elite camp is the correct uh, terminology there. But uh, Tyron Lawrence, who recently visited Auburn, he's going, uh, or he's at the uh, G League elite camp uh, this weekend. And so it would be interesting. If he hears the magic words and wants to stay in the draft, that's one thing. If he's not and he stays back in school, I feel like Auburn could feel pretty good about where uh, they stand with Tyron Lawrence. But that's one you got to keep in mind. And then obviously see where Jani Broom uh, and some of these other guys who have, have pro decisions to make. So it's still still up in the air, still in flux. We're in the month of May, and you know, Auburn basketball is still in motion. Um, and the, spring, the summer semester and all the summer work starts in – I think they want to get going in mid-May, so in a few weeks. A couple of weeks, I think we'll know what, what Auburn's roster ends up looking like. But um, as for right now, it's a, it's a lot of waiting at the, mo- at the moment. I haven't heard as much about Auburn with Jalen Tyson. Like I haven't you said. heard anybody in any direction with Jalen so, Tyson. What's, 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 what's been the word there? So the, so the buzz I'm getting is uh, Cal, okay. Oklahoma, and Kansas were schools that I think have, have either it's been reported or I don't know if he said anything publicly. I do know a couple of recruiting services are linking his brother, uh, Jordan Tyson, the Colorado wide receiver, to Oklahoma. And so one would think that if uh, Jordan Tyson ended up at Oklahoma and the Oklahoma men's basketball team wanted to be in the Jalen Tyson business, that would help their chances of going out and adding a, 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 a Big 12 impact player. Uh, from uh, fr- from a neighboring state, Kansas picked up Hunter Dickinson in the last week or so. The Michigan big man, if they could add Jalen Tyson as well, it's another championship contender or so there at, uh, in in Lawrence. And I think it's uh, Cal would be an interesting one. I've also I mean that that's that's something I've heard Jordan Tyson linked to as well. It, it would appear maybe people are just drawing that comparison. You know, based on where Jordan Tyson's recruiting is uh, is going, but there have been a couple of schools. I wonder if Auburn had to be tempered because of Matthew Cleveland in their pursuit of Tyson, and it could intensify in the next couple of days. Be interesting to see another name to keep in mind: not a transfer, but rather a really late 2023 uh, uh, target. Uh, our buddy Nathan King on top of this one over at two uh, over at two four seven. Mitchell Holmes from Arlington, Texas. This is a guy who is not listed on, you know, in the in the rankings on two four seven. I would expect that to change in the next few days because in the EYBL circuit, he has been blowing up recently, averaging fourteen and a half points and seven and a half rebounds on sixty two percent shooting. He is six uh, six eleven and two hundred pounds. They see him. At, Auburn sees him as a potential four or a five. It looks like, um, but yeah, he has been. Blowing up recently, TCU, Stanford, and now Auburn has offered him uh, with Corey Williams being the one there, uh, new assistant Corey Williams making the move. Talked about Auburn potentially needing more rebounding, maybe another guy up front, that forward center they, they've been looking after spots. Mitchell Holmes, not not a transfer, but a young guy um, that uh, has really, I mean, again, someone who was not a, a uh, big-name recruit uh, in his high school, high school ranks, but here late in the cycle, um, is doing a great job on the on on the AAU circuit and more you know TCU uh, being a being a high major team after him Stanford as well but you know some it, TCU specifically a really good program and Auburn trying to get in the mix there uh, for him as well so keep an eye uh, out for Mitchell Holmes and like I said 
uh, shout out to Nathan for for being on top of that one this weekend. And I suppose Auburn could feel very good about their chances with Tyron Lawrence, and mm-hmm. we just don't know about it as well, which which would explain if Tyron Lawrence ends up at Auburn, yeah. you know, and, some of the, it, the, the things would make a little bit more sense. And I think Tyron and I think Tyron Lawrence, I think Tyron Lawrence is working through. Hey, you know, maybe I need to go play professional ball right now. Maybe maybe he hears the magic words, right? Um, so it's like I said, this will all sort itself out in a couple of weeks. Um, but the Cleveland loss, it's a tough one for Auburn, uh, because he was such a, you know, he represented such high, um, potential and what he could have brought you was big. However, not going to the SEC and going to a team that did make the final four last year. It does make sense. Number two, um, you know, you, you've also gotten a situation where there's still good targets out there in the portal and maybe Auburn pivots here and moves forward. And they've also um, got a high school guy uh, that uh, is at least in their in, in their crosshairs right now. So it's just it's to be very interesting to see how they pivot uh, off of this uh, because um, you know Matthew Cleveland's the guy we've been talking about for quite some time, and his ultimate decision ends up staying in the ACC and staying in the state of Florida. You know for for Miami. Anything else we want to add uh, before we go? Oh, real quick. I want to shout out a couple of things. We don't cover um, anything other than football, men's basketball on this show and at the newsletter. That's just always been my area of expertise and where we focus our attention on. So not day-to-day coverage, but when big stuff happens elsewhere, we like to at least talk about it on here. And, uh, fellas, the stick sports, the stickball sports, baseball, softball, huge weekends for Auburn. Um, first off, Auburn softball um, is the three seed in the SEC tournament uh, after taking the series at home against Mississippi State uh, this weekend, big weekend for them. They're the three seed. Look, the Clint Myers era, and and it, you know, obviously a lot of bad stuff happened there, and, and why he is no longer the coach at Auburn. But that was heights. That was really like going to the Women's College World Series. That was a standard. It was going to be tough to live up to that. And I think, you know. It's been a methodical build and growth, but here in these last couple of years, Mickey Dane has gotten it gotten it rolling for Auburn. To be a top four seed, to get a double bye in the SEC softball tournament is huge because it is a it is a super, super competitive league. It's only going to get scarier when Oklahoma and Texas join it uh, here in, in a year or so. Uh, but shout out to Auburn softball, and uh, that's a team that's making some noise, and I think they have proven that they can hang with anybody on their schedule. Another team that has proven here recently they can hang with anybody on their schedule is the Auburn baseball team, who played number one LSU. And for the first time all season, LSU did not win a series. Auburn taking two out of three. They went on Saturday night in a marathon game. They went on Sunday. They run rule LSU on on Sunday. Only game they lost uh, was on Friday, and it wasn't it wasn't a blowout. But they were play they were facing the best pitcher in college baseball, and and it took a took a um, low scoring loss. Big weekend because Dan, we were talking about it. They they were heading into this stretch where they got number two South Carolina on the road and number one LSU at home six games and they they win both series they go four and two that is huge for Auburn baseball so not gonna not gonna sit here and act like an Auburn baseball expert I've never covered the team before I did cover some softball in the past but did want to shout it out because I mean a lot of people fired up about that baseball team and man what a what a turnaround what a turnaround uh, that they've had here uh, after what has been a tough season in a number of areas especially on the mound. I'm new here, so I'm not going to make guest suggestions, but uh, maybe we need to talk to our buddy Adam Cole 
uh, at yeah. some point yeah. about this baseball team. He's been going to pretty much every game, and he's a member of the Peck Pack, so he might he might want to jump on and talk about it because he's had, been there. We had Adam on last year right before uh, the – it was during the postseason. So I am sure we will have Adam on again as we get closer to baseball postseason, like we do when we have yeah. Leon for gymnastics. The intrepid reporters covering this baseball team, oh, yeah. Jason, Caldwell, Jason Caldwell's at pretty much every game. Adam Cole's in the house. Brian Matthews and Stoltz both both mm-hmm. take turns. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's some, some great coverage of this season. Things did not seem like they were trending in the right direction going into the South Carolina series. And part of that was because Auburn uh, had struggled against teams that were in the bottom half of the league over the, the, the previous few series. Uh, Joseph Gonzalez, uh, the ace, not coming back this season because of an injury, had put a damper on the optimism, I think, externally around the program. And all Auburn does is they go up to number two South Carolina and they win that series and they hit South Carolina as hard as just anybody, just about anybody's hit them all season. And then they come back to Auburn against the number one team in the country and they win two of three against LSU. And this goes from a team, granted there are still baseball games left to play. What is what is this record? Auburn is now 11 and... I want to say they're now 11 and 13, I want to say, with three series left. Uh, Sounds right? Yes. Uh, Because you've got 11 and 13. Auburn's 11 and 13 after today's game. And that would uh, uh, that that would put you. I mean, they're they're a win or two away from feeling great about they're They're probably I would say 13 or 14 gets you in Mm -hmm. and 500 or better gets you in serious conversation to host baseball in the postseason at Plainsman Park. Yeah, uh, two two se- uh, series left in the regular season. They are at Ole Miss next weekend, and then they come back in the regular season finale. They play Missouri at home. There's also a couple of non-conference games uh, lo- uh, in-state. They play- Tuesday night they play uh, Sanford at the Hoover Met, and then they play Jacksonville State uh, that next Tuesday night at home. So uh, eight games left in the regular season for Auburn baseball sitting pretty well want to go to something this is something that stands out I mean I don't and I don't think you know Butch Thompson is a great is a great coach he's a great interview again I'm, I've never um covered his team before uh but you know Painter when we had him on the show uh when we did radio he was always great I know Dan y'all y'all have talked to him uh, as well on the drive he gets it and he's such a good coach and he, and he has, um, I just, I really like listening and reading kind of quotes of his in interviews. Cause I think he's just, he's just really, really good, uh, in a, in a lot of ways that you need to be as a baseball coach. But Adam, speaking of Adam Cole, uh, tweeting this quote out, this one stuck out to me. I remember when I saw it all across the timeline on, on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, I don't think we talk about this concept enough in college sports. Uh, and it's a great point from Butch Thompson. And it's a simple quote. He said, I'll say it again, players are allowed to get better. And it's true. I think when teams get off to slow starts or they struggle at points, everybody just writes them off. We saw it with basketball last season. We saw it. We've seen it time and time in football. And this baseball team struggled. Bullpen, really rough. Pitching staff having a hard time overall. And yet, they've continued to kind of get better and better because you got to remember that, hey, these are college athletes. These are not finished products in their given sports at any point. And number two, um, it's a weird game, and, and things happen. I mean, no one on the planet was thinking Auburn was going to take series against South Carolina and LSU in back-to-back weekends. But guess what? They did because, like Bush Thompson said, players are allowed to get better. And I think 
again, that's a dude who just he knows it. He 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 knows his team and he knows he knows the sports and he knows college sports. And I think that's a great that's a great mantra and something we need to kind of keep in mind. Those of us who cover and follow these sports, um, you know, uh, should keep in mind more because that's just the nature of the game. Just a couple of weeks ago, Auburn hosted Mississippi State in baseball, and these were the two teams that had uh, the highest ERAs in conference play in the SEC. They were both giving up about a run per inning. Auburn, since then, in the two series against South Carolina and LSU, they haven't given up uh, more than they gave up uh, eight runs on the, the third game, the loss to South Carolina. It's the only time they've really approached that number. The improvement in the pitching staff has been drastic, and it's come against two of the best teams in all of college baseball, which makes you feel good about how Auburn could hold up against quality opposition in the postseason. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that'll do it. We good? We good to go? Painter, we're Painter, we're we're feeling good. You got uh, you, you excited to you get excited to spend another week uh, in your in your uh, home state again? Yes, I have uh, I have plans for the week that I'm looking forward to making the rounds around town and such. What is the one place you're excited to go to the most? Because we hung out we hung out for a good while uh, Thursday night, and that Opelika was, that was, that was very a- pleasant. Um, oh yeah, downtown I, Opelika can you know when it's not crowded, it, it hits. I pretty was well. expecting, given that it was graduation weekend, it might be just a little bit busier. But the pace was excellent last week. I, I'm really looking forward to bow and arrow, and then I'll definitely swing by Taco Mama for uh, a margarita and also uh, Moe's for a bushwhacker. Both of those are my man, on the my list. Man is, my man's got plans. Yes, he has, yes. He has sorted some things out. He has sorted some things out. It would be fun if all of Painter's plans involve places that have closed yeah. in the last couple of years. We have we have terrible news, Painter. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Oh, well, supper clubs. Supper clubs not going to happen, <laughs> bud. Uh, yeah. What else? Uh, there's something else I needed. What's another thing that's closed? That okay, I this need? is too. This might be too inside baseball, but okay. I do. I do know. Do you remember? I think we've talked about this off the air. Do you remember the restaurant in the corner of the Kroger Shopping yes, Center? Yes, yes. Yeah, shout out, to, shout out to folks. We know some people behind the scenes who were important in the Finley's universe. Uh, in, in the Finley's verse. <laughs> so, yeah, sh- shout Dude. out to the sh- shout out to Finley's. Dude, a chicken Italian from Finley's? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Go, 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 goes so hard. Goes, goes absolutely crazy. Was, Bra- was Brand X before your time? Uh, Justin, yes. that, I mean, that was a, a it was before okay. my time, but my father speaks of Brand X very highly. I believe Brand X was the one that he told. He used to tell the story that during finals week, Brand X would do this thing that after midnight, um, you could call, and when you called in your order, what however many minutes after midnight it was, that's how much your uh, a per pizza cost, and it was just if you got in there. You got in there, so like you could call it midnight, but if they don't pick up the phone until you know later on, that's what you're gonna have to pay. But if you were able to get through early, you were about to be swimming in pizza. Um, so that no one does stunts like that anymore. Like I, I know I feel old by saying this, and there's pro- I can't probably think of many times in my life that that I've known. But nobody does stunts like let's do more stunts. Let's do more restaurant stunts like that. I I, I enjoy I enjoy a good finals week challenge. 
more wacky time related prices i think yeah. is fine you know or or you know what or or wheel spinning right oh, more yeah. of that in restaurants to decide to decide the price i guess to make it fair there has to be a losing side. It's like you could wind up paying more for your food, <laughs> but also it could be cheaper. So like, who's yeah. to say? You could get a you could you could get a whammy. You could either get your your uh, your, your prize or the or, like or the a, whammy. It's like a wheel that you spin, and it's like, all right, free meal, free meal. Nope, actually, you have to buy food for everyone who is currently sitting in this restaurant. And it's like, no, <laughs> wash the dishes. <laughs> I think that would be. I, and get some high stakes ones. Like if we do that at like you can do that anywhere, but like if you did that at like a at like a nicer establishment, you have like, to become right. an investor of the restaurant. <laughs> Banner as someone who has worked in the, in food service, just be like, how funny would it be? Like, you know, if you're working at a restaurant and then all of a sudden you just see someone have to get up from their table and start. It's like, all right, well, yeah, no, <laughs> way too stressful Sorry, running a restaurant. That I mean, you you really could get sucked into that and you could be in trouble. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll be back. Um, I think Thursday will be the next time we do a podcast. So, um, because Painter is, you know, pa- we've got to work around Painter's busy schedule now that he is, that the prodigal son has returned uh, to his homeland. And uh, But we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, keep track of everything. AuburnObserver.com will have newsletters. The trackers will be updated in football and basketball. You can check that out on the new redesigned homepage. And also, um, anything else we've got coming up? Roll it out. Next week is Mother's Day, so remember that if you're if if, if you have a mother. Um, and uh, yeah, give her a subscription to the Observer, um, at least for the bit. Yeah, that'd be funny. Uh, or maybe your mom. Maybe your mom actually will read or listen to our stuff. We have we have. I'm not gonna say we have a lot of moms who listen and read our stuff, but we have a decent we have a decent core group of moms. I know, um, so you know, uh, I think my mom sometimes listens to the podcast. My mom is not much of a reader, and I don't say that disparagingly. She just does, she just doesn't she does everything else in life, um, and she doesn't have much time to read stuff like Auburn baseball, Auburn basketball, and Auburn Auburn football coverage. Uh, but she listens to the podcast from time to time. We love our reading moms. We love the reading moms. All right. That's going to do it for me. Painter, final thoughts. Dan, what kind of soup would you have if you could have any soup right now? Ooh. Um, clam chowder. Really? Yeah. Is that, is that a shocking that answer? That is a shocking some, answer. I like, I like, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, it was the first soup that came to mind. Wow. I mean, is, is gum. Is gumbo or like jumbo? I mean, those aren't soups, right? Like gumbo a is a soup. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't classify jambalaya as a soup. Gumbo. Gumbo is a soup, not a, a stew. Ah. Baby, we got a stew going. Picking up the pieces of my sweet shattered dream. I wonder how the old folks are tonight. Her name was Anne, and I'll be damned if I recall her face. She left me not knowing what to do Every highway Let me slip away on you Every highway You seem better days